Thanks for listening to this podcast from The Holy Talk. Email holytalkpodcast at gmail.com for more information. All right. Welcome to The Holy Talk Podcast. I am Daniel Ortiz. I'm David Akrutman from Israel. David, David, how you doing, sir? We are okay. We are anticipating that next week we will have a coalition government sworn in. You know, after two years and four elections, we're hoping we have a functional government and we that's, don't have to go to another election. That's that's the hopes. That is the hopes, but we know anything can change in Israel at any moment, right? So is is everybody like just crossing their fingers? It's like let's get through. Like the, we see the finish line. We want to get through the finish line before we can start celebrating. Uh, yes. I think once everyone is sworn in, we can breathe. Not to take away from what uh, Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu has done for the country as the longest uh, standing prime minister in history. And we know that because of his economic reforms and his diplomacy in the world, uh, Israel and the Jewish people, and I think people who affiliate with supporting Israel and the Jewish people can give him thank you and gratitude. But Israel has decided, based upon how it works out its own parliamentary politics, that uh, at this point in time, Yair Lapid and Naftali Bennett, representing two different parties, got together to make an agreement that there be a rotating prime ministership. Naftali Bennett of now will be hopefully serving as Israel's prime minister. And then later on, Yair Lapid will switch. But we have the broadest coalition possible. So that means we have left-winging, left-wing uh, uh, parties, very right-wing parties. Um, we, have a, we have the uh, Arab party that's involved in the coalition as well under uh, uh, Abbas. This is not the Abbas of the Palestinian Authority. This is an Abbas that's uh, within Israel, citizen of Israel, now a member of Knesset, and now uh, part of the coalition. So you have 61 seats, which is what is the required amount of the 120 seats in order to form a coalition to run, a, to run the state of Israel. So that's what, we're, what situation we are in right now. We were supposed to have the members of Knesset sworn in uh, this past week and not uh, upcoming Monday, but because the speaker of the Knesset is a, a member of the Likud party, he was trying to stall things in regard to the members of Knesset being sworn in right away. So that's why we're, so your question is a good question. Are we, are we you know, holding our breath until Monday? And the answer is yes, because politics is still politics to the last, last second. Things can change. You don't wanna make any, you know, you're not sure if anyone's gonna bolt from the coalition, someone bolts from the coalition. You start all election, over. Start all over. So yeah. So the answer is we're we're holding our breath, and we'll finally breathe. Hopefully on Monday, we do need a functional government at the end of the day. So it's it's uh, it's a good to say that this is probably one of the most diverse groups of it folks is. together, uh, which it is a is. good thing for the. It's a good thing for the country because. You have more people representative to more voices, or is it a bad thing? So, I, so this is a this is a Jewish answer. <laughs> it depends who you ask. That's why I Thank asked you. the question. So, uh, you hung out enough with Jews to know two Jews, three opinions. 
opinions, not two opinions, three opinions. <laughs> oh yeah. my goodness. It, it depends who you ask. Do you guys have a new president also? We do. In we this... have a new president. He's part of what we call royalty of Israel. We want our royalty, Herzak. So he, he comes from a lineage of people in his family that were president. So. Wow. 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 Yeah. And folks like him. Uh, yes. But again, there was like, he's the um, Ashkenazi representative. And then there was a Moroccan woman who was wanted also to be president, but the Knesset decided to go with the royalty of Israel with Herzog. So we'll see. Again, it's a ceremonial role, the president uh, of Israel, but it's an important role that someone that goes beyond politics, that's able to do diplomacy and work with different communities. So we'll see. Herzog is not a bad person. It's just Again, it was a question whether we have, how did, the Israeli, how did the Israeli political headlines, do we want the Moroccan grandmother or the royal Herzog family member? So it was one of those things that, uh, that was up in the air, but the Knesset decided at the end to vote in Herzog. Well, that's it. So democracy has spoken. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and we're going to all be holding our fingers so that the next time we talk, you can say we have a functioning government and we can move on with this thing once and for all after four elections. Yeah, it would be nice. We don't have to spend like a lot of money. Elections is very expensive. I don't think people understand that. And we just, I think that the number is we spent 7 billion shekels, about $2 billion. Wow. In defending wow. ourselves against Hamas's missiles. Whoa. I want you to understand that, that we just spent that much. So our taxes are a little higher than the United States because most of our tax money goes into defense. Not offense, but defense. Exactly right. right. Exactly right. right. So, so at the end of the day, we have to recover from COVID. And we have to also recover from the $2 billion that were spent in, in, the, in the Gaza war. So here we are. So that's why you need a functioning government because exactly we, have right. to, we have to figure out how we're dealing with the economy. So thank God Israel is up and running again domestically. We have already had a few groups that entered Israel from the United States. Actually, the I, first group that came in was a Christian student group. from. Yes, I saw North, that. From North Carolina. Uh, one of my buddies is on that, uh, is on that group. Uh, right. And, we, and actually, uh, the Philos Project. Uh, yes, the, the, the Philos. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So the, he's, he's on that. So you, you've met him before. Oh, uh, Robert and I are good friends. So, so. their whole team is here. And Israel. So there's been some uh, some Christian groups coming in. Uh, right now, the Jerusalem prayer breakfast is going on right now. So yeah, Christians coming in uh, for that. So obviously, they had to have the vaccine. They had, when they they had to have a COVID test. When they landed, they had to take a uh, a blood test to make sure they don't have anything, any of the variants of of COVID. Uh, and there's a quarantine period that they're in their hotel for a period of time before they get the AOK. -okay. So uh, we thank those groups that came in and had the patience to go through this entire process, but this is, we're trying to slowly open up the tourism market. So everyone coming in and, and it goes smoothly, Israel will open up its borders more and more. Yes, yeah, so I saw, uh, and I think you met Jesse. Have you met Jesse before? I love Jesse. 
Yeah, all right, so Jesse's there. Jesse's our boy because he's from the Bronx. He's from the Bronx. So you make sure you get a hold of him because he's there right now. He's in Tel Aviv as of last night. So uh, make sure you get a hold of him. Tell him Danny Ortiz, you know, that's my man. I, I love Jesse. He's a good, good dude. He made me a little jealous trying to show us some videos from out there. I'm like, come on now. You know, he's so he's out there. And I'm like, I want, I, listen, I didn't get the invite, Jesse. Come on, call me up, call that's me it. up. We need to complain against Jesse. <laughs> free Pastor Danny. I'm like, Israel. call me up, Jesse, man. What's going on? So I got a good, uh, you know, and there's folks coming from there here. Uh, Jeremy Pressman uh, from Alcrod, I just saw on Friday. So he was here in town in Columbus, Ohio. So it was good to see some some of my good friends from over there. So I'm, I'm glad that it's opening up and I know it's opening up slowly. I know a group that's going, I think, in November uh, out there. So I, I think past October, folks are going to start hopefully going in more often. Yes. Together, uh, man, just great time in Genesis 1 and really just going through the word blessing. Um, and I know you wanted to take it to another level today. So the floor is yours, man. Uh, thank you for that, man. That uh, really fed us and, and had some great discussion with some different folks throughout the week about it. So again, Genesis chapter 2, verse 3 talks about that God blessed and sanctified the seventh day. And I argued last time that Genesis chapter two, verses one to three should really be part of the chapter one, because that's the unfolding of creation. We also talked about that God uses familiar words in unfamiliar ways. And one of those words was bracha, which was translated as blessing. And then we, we, we dissected what blessing means from a human construct, but my, the argument is, is that there is a God paradigm that he presents in the unfolding creation that's really different than a, a post-Genesis chapter one world. Yeah, yeah. So we define blessing in the context of it's the amplified presence of God so you can connect to the ultimate source, which means God himself. So God created a day where there's more of him. And then you said, David, we got to stop. Like, it was like sort of my first mic drop with you, Pastor Dan. <laughs> it was a mic drop. It was a mic drop. I was like, listen, we can't go any further. Now, I do have a question before we go further, because we, okay. we, we have not discussed this. And because most of the, 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 the Torah, you know, most of the folks that translate the scriptures, they don't, they don't, start chapter two basically in verse four right and and, and so it looks like and, and this is a question because i've been asked this question hundreds of times it looks like there's like two versions of uh the new beginnings or the new creations between chapter one and chapter two it almost just start, starts it all over again right um because in, in verse four it almost goes back into all right this is how he created man again right and so there's almost two accounts to this but right. that first verse to verse three is almost confusing because it's like, I'm going to throw this in here in chapter two, and then I'm going to start almost a new creation talk. Correct. So that's my argument. My argument is that the Sabbath story has nothing to do with Genesis chapter two, verse four, where it talks about the creation of humanity, what the first human being was going through, the surgery that took place to create woman, and then... Uh, the Garden of Eden and everything that unfolded, because that's really the chronicles of humanity. 
what God is doing in the first seven days of creation is creating concepts for humanity to have a relationship with God in the context of freedom of choice. Yeah. So if I have freedom of choice, I can say yes to God, I can deny, I can deny God. And last time we talked about that God created linear time, past, present, yeah. and future, yeah. which was normally translated as light. So on the first day of creation, you have this, this item of light, but light, really, we don't understand what that means. And we can't fathom what that means because we think of light in terms of the sun. That's yeah. it. Or a light bulb in our house. But light has to have a different context in this unfolding of creation of divine constructs that God is putting into the world for humanity to have a relationship. Therefore, or, which is normally translated as light, I said to you, it meant linear time, past, yeah. present, and future. And the purpose of that is that humanity in the choices that they makes always has a past, present, and future. And, and at any point in time, as long as you say yes to God and you really mean it and you repent, that past never overwhelms your future with that. Yeah. Beautiful. Which was another mic drop for you. Yes, it was great. I right. Mean. So that's, that's, that's the concept. So therefore, yeah, Genesis chapter two, verse four, goes back to the creation of the human being. And we have, a, we have more details about what that story meant than what God was doing in creating humanity on the sixth day of creation. Because if, if you don't have that context in your mind, when you read it, it almost seemed like, oh, man was created again on the seventh day. You know what I mean? It's almost like, because it's right, right, right next to each other. So when you read it, it's like, a lot of folks, and I know you know this, when folks study this, they get confused because they're like, whoa, did he create man again in the seventh day? Was he created on the seventh day? Because this is right. kind of weird. He blessed right. the seventh day and now man is created and those butt up from one another. And, right. it's, and it's like, no, those have to be separated because if not, there will be some confusion. It will be some like, I don't know what's happening here. Right, but so I'm, I'm not responsible for the Christian in the 12th, 13th century that created chapters. Exactly. in the bible i just want to make that clear exactly. i am not responsible what we it's, have is david's fault it's david's fault i could be scapegoated as a jew for some other things but please don't scapegoat me for verse for chapters so in in a torah scroll what you have is paragraphs of text we don't have chapters and verses and we don't even have vowels so vowels is based upon a tradition that we understand how to read a word. Sometimes how a word is written, it could be, depending where you put the vowel, will have different meanings. So Hebrew is so nuanced in its language. I'll give you an example, okay? Uh, Esther chapter nine, verse 27. Esther, uh, no, Esther chapter, uh, you know what? You should take out your Bible. I'm, I'm, I, was, I, was, I have it right here. I have it right here. So. <laughs> I think it's Esther chapter 9, verse 28. I just uh, wasn't expecting to do with this, but I'm going to flow with the Holy Spirit on you on this one. And therefore, See. if you go to, yeah, Esther chapter 20, yeah, chapter 9, verse 27. All right. In Hebrew, you probably have this in English, uh, in English that uh, yes. the, they, they establish and they accept it. Or something to that to that the uh, jews firmly obligated themselves and they off offsprings and all who joined them that without fail they would keep these two days according to what was written 
and at that time appointed every year. Yeah, so that's a very bad translation. I'm not sure which version you're using, that, but that I'm going to use the Hebrew. <laughs> and, okay, that was the ESV version. Oh, that's a bad. Oh, that that's a bad. So, bad so we have we'll we'll have to point that into the ESV version. That that's. Uh, I'm going to give you the new King James version since you don't like that version. No, you can give me any version at the end of the day. It, it's, I'm just going to go back to the Hebrew. Go ahead. Let's go to the Hebrew. Okay. And okay, this is why so, I love to do this because uh, I would pause there for a second. This is why I love to do this. And I love this show because what is showing our Christian brethren that there's so much. I love that you said it's there's so much nuance with the language that you have to learn almost from someone that understands the language so that you really can get the meaning of what the scriptures say. Correct. So in, in the Hebrew, remember what's happening here is that Mordecai and Esther are, try, are trying to get a Jewish holiday on the books. Yeah. Okay. And the and, holiday is called Purim. And in the New King James, it does says, and the Jews established. And what, what's the, what's the next word? What's the next word? And imposed it upon uh, themselves. Okay, good. So the King James one is probably is, is, is nice. It's a, it's a nice translation for the first two words. But I'm going to give you another way of looking at it. So basically, Mordecai and Esther are trying to create Purim. So what happens is, is that the question you should be asking based upon how King, the King James Version is doing this. So what's the translation you have? It says, uh, the Jews established and imposed it upon themselves. So if I was the editor of the Bible, I would have edited down to the Jews imposed Purim, period. Like I would have taken that verse and shortened it. If God's language is exact, let's keep it down to the minimum. If we have redundancy or emphasis, it's an opportunity for mining revelation. This is like hermeneutics 101, biblical analysis of scripture 101. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah of course. Yeah, I yeah. don't need two words to tell me that they're doing this. I just need one. Yeah. Right? yeah. Is that, okay. So in Hebrew, what you have is called kimu, which is mean they, they established. And in, in Hebrew, it could be read vikiblu or vikibel. Remember, I told you, we don't have vowels in the text. So vikiblu means they accept it, or vikibel means and he accepted. Now this is going to be the difference. This is called Holy Spirit access to God's mind. We know that you're not supposed to add or subtract from the Torah. There are biblical holidays outlined in Leviticus chapter 23. Now we have Mordecai and Esther putting a Jewish holiday on the books. How do I know? What they're doing here on earth is going to be accepted by God in heaven. There's an inference in the Hebrew here in verse 27. So because of the way the vowels work, I can read this as they impose and they accept it in Hebrew, meaning the earthly court did this. Or I can read it and he accepted the capital H-E, meaning God accepted. God accepted. Yeah, yeah. So how do I know that God accepted what we did here with Mordecai and Esther for a holiday? It's in the word itself. That sometimes what is necessarily articulated is not necessarily how it's written. And how it's written gives us the revelation that God accepted Purim. 
this is huge because remember Purim is a big 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 holiday for us not only that scripture continues to talk about it that this is an everlasting holiday that even when messiah comes we will continue to celebrate Purim. this is how big that holiday is it's very relevant to what we're dealing with today because the book of esther is about a book of anti-semitism yes right it's anti-semitism in the context that of jews being in power yeah. Mordecai is in power. Haman is jealous of Mordecai and his anti-Semitic, his hatred towards Haman transforms in anti-Semitic rage to convince the king to destroy the people in one day. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was about Jews in power. It comes off from Jews in power. Even though we're under the, the foreign rule of the Persian king. Right? So this book about anti-Semitism is very relevant today because Israel right now is a nation state. Uh, the anti-Semitism that we're seeing right now is anti-Semitism about Jews in power. Exactly right. Okay, so from John Oliver uh, making his rant on the issue of what happened in Gaza to Trevor Noah and all this, it was all about numbers and power and all this other stuff. It's quite interesting that the anti-Zionism, which I believe is also anti-Semitism, is all about power and Jews having power or perception of power. Now, it doesn't matter I have 4,000 missiles raining on me. Uh, I'm supposed to somehow take that. I can't defend myself and I defend myself, then I'm rebuked as a colonial imperial power in an apartheid paradigm. Yeah, and it's amazing yeah, yeah. to just like see that anti-Semitism during the Holocaust was based upon my race as a Jew, as a Jew, and in the Middle Ages about my religion that mutated to being a nation state that I don't even have a right as, to be a nation state simply because I perceive you as too powerful. Yeah. Right. This is very important because Purim is about counter anti-Semitism day. So what's important is in the revelation of history, Mordecai and Esther puts a holiday on the books and we know through the inference of this Hebrew word, God accepted it. And this is Holy Spirit access to God's mind category. So I wasn't planning to go with you on this one, but you're talking about the nuance of Hebrew. Here's a nuance on biblical hermeneutics. Sometimes what's written, how a word is written in Hebrew is not necessarily how it's articulated. Or there's a way, there are two ways to articulate that Hebrew word and makes all the difference. Absolutely. One, one is about the earthly court, one is about the heavenly court. And, and if the, you just earth- read it on the earthly court, then it really it's invalid at that moment because we can't do that, right? But when you do it as right, how do they how do they have the power to do that? Now I, yeah, obviously the the power we have is that it's not treated as a biblical holiday, it's treated as a rabbinical ho- holiday by the pro- by the prophets. That put that into place, which is fine, and actually Esther creates this precedent later on, where you everyone calls rabbinic Judaism like we have all these laws. But if you look at it, Esther is Esther Mordecai put this whole thing into place, where if you we need certain uh, constructs to keep the spirit of the Jewish people. I'll give you an example: Ezra. Um, Ezra goes ahead and starts to put in place constructs 
that still are invoked today to ensure the vitality of the Jewish people because you never, listen, 70 years in exile and the Jews didn't know anything about the Bible, didn't know anything about the, the, the Feast of Tabernacles and stuff like that. And he had to reintroduce everything. If 70 years of exile would do that, just imagine 2000 years of exile. Yeah. So that precedent that Ezra puts into ensuring that there's a fence around the spirit of the Torah comes really rooted what Esther and Mordecai begin by putting a holiday on the books. And because of that, the vitality of Judaism still exists today, that we're able to put a fence around the Torah to protect it so people go ahead and build themselves on the word of God. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Okay, so I, do I go back to Genesis chapter yes, 2, verse 3? Yes, 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 Let's finish <laughs> okay. it out. Let's finish it out. So there, and God sanctified, that word sanctify the seventh day. So if I ask you, I ask you, Pastor Danny, what does sanctification mean? What would you say? I mean, the right off the bat is set apart. You know what I mean? Why do you think it means set apart? Uh, because of all the things that I've studied on it is, you know, meant to be set apart. Okay. So my argument is to, as up until this point has always been that God uses familiar words in unfamiliar ways. And therefore that word sanctify can't mean what we think it means. There is a divine construct that God is introducing on the Shabbat that will help us to understand our relationship with him. Okay. Now, I understand why you would say set apart, because in Leviticus, I think it's Leviticus chapter 18, God goes ahead and commands the people of Israel to be holy, kadosh, because yeah. I am kadosh, I am holy. Now, that word sanctified that we do in Genesis chapter 2, verse 3, the word, root word for it is kadosh. And everybody have I spoken to about what does holy mean? You can't put words to something that is very much an experience. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, so I have met personally in my life very holy people. And you're in their presence, right? And there's something about it that you just can't put into words. So, but the thing is, is that in, gen, in, gen, in, the, in the unfolding of creation, God is giving us a concept. So the concept has to be articulated in words. So I'm going to say to you that the word kadosh from a Genesis unfolding of creation story from God's point of view means transparency. Mm. Not holy, but transparency. God is transparent. Wow. And this, this is, this is, this is, if you have no ego and you put everything out there, someone who's really raw. If you ever met an individual that's really putting everything out there and you, that doesn't have an ego and you just walk away and say, you know, that guy had a great pair of blue eyes, then you've missed the encounter. Mm -hmm. If someone's transparent in doing work for God, then the, when you walk away, even though you didn't have the conversation about this, but if you walk away about how do I improve my character, you know you've had a transparent experience. Yeah. So in the context of Shabbat, what God is doing on this day, because of his amplified presence, 
now I have the amplified presence. That means I now encounter a day that I have more of God, and therefore there's more transparency of God. If there's more transparency, that day should affect me so much that I have to walk away from Shabbat of what do I need to do to improve myself mm. in my relationship with God and humanity. Because the transparency is reflected. That's the transparency, right. You can yeah. only get that through a through the ability of transparency. I'll tell you, I'll give you an example in the Bible that the transparency is so much that the Jewish people couldn't handle it. If you go to the Exodus story, exactly. you go specifically to when they were receiving the Torah at Sinai, it's known as a Mosaic covenant, right? What do the people say to, to Moses? Hey, <clears throat> he said, you, like, you go, you go. You, you tell us. <laughs> you go. I don't want to mess with this. <laughs> this is too, too much. Sometimes that transparency is so overwhelming, right? So this is the blessing and, 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 and the grace of God that God understands that this powerfulness of himself in direct contact with humanity could lead to what we experienced at Sinai. So he puts it into the day, which is easier to handle than a hit from God, right? Like give a big gigantic dose of God in transparency form like we had at Sinai. Yeah. So this is the grace of the day of Shabbat that there is this ability to have in, in it the amplified presence, the transparency is there, that transparent moment gives me the ability to reflect on my character individually, but also the community and oh, I've always said this, the intent for, from God's point of view is humanity was supposed to always celebrate Shabbat. And in Isaiah 66, verse 23, the prophecy says, all of humanity will be celebrating Shabbat. So this goes back to, that's why Shabbat is so different than any other day. Number one, it doesn't have any chaos. Every, every other day has chaos. That's the whole unfolding of creation, chaos into order. When the seventh day came, everything was in order. That's Genesis chapter two, verse one. God doesn't create anything on the seventh day. What he does with the seventh day, as the seventh day is coming in, he provides the divine constructs of bracha, which is the amplified presence, and kadosh, the transparency of himself. Yeah. yeah. So that, that's why you can't transfer the seventh day Shabbat to any other day in the week. Cause those, it doesn't, those days of the weekdays doesn't have bracha and it doesn't have kadosh and it, ha it only has chaos. Is I, that I love, the other mic drop? You know what? I love, well, it's, it's not only a mic drop, what it does on, 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 on from a Christian experience, it opens it up understanding Yeshua in a different way. Right. And understanding because it says he's the Lord of the Sabbath and then understanding uh, Paul gives a description in Romans 12 on exactly what you're talking about, which is I'm only going to give you a, God saying I'm only going to give you a little bit of what you can handle of me, because if I give you everything, it is too much for you. Right. It, it'll overwhelm you to the point and I'm going to only reflect a little bit of yourself. Right. Because once you see me and once you encounter me, I'm reflecting back yourself to you. Right. And so you're saying, oh, I see this dirty part of me. Right. That God is asking me to set up myself apart in this dirty part of me. But he said, I'm only going to deal with that part of you, because if I deal with all the dirt, 
at the same time. It'll be so overwhelming that you won't know what to do with yourself. And, and, and so they're a little bit of a time. And so we, I love it because it puts uh, words to some of the things that in the New Testament, it gives us some of those things, but not in the fullness of it. This gives us the fullness of why God is saying, I'm only going to give you a little bit. And I'm only going to show you a little bit of you, because if I don't, you're going to be, you're going to blow up <laughs> and you're going to see so much sin in you that you're going to be like, there's no way. Right. So I'm going to just give you the little bit that I want you to deal with today in yourself, because then tomorrow it'll be a little bit more. And then the next day it'll be a little bit more. And so it gives uh, a greater meaning to what that is. So from a Jewish point of view, we would take, a, we would take that, that lessons that we learn on Shabbat and that reflections, and then we put it to the next week, the week coming in, the exactly first right. Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday. So <clears throat> Shabbat in that perspective has a different, a different way of walking in, because I think most people look at Shabbat, especially if they look at the Jewish people and they have no context of Jews and Judaism, that's just about do's and don'ts and not about relationship. And, yeah. and, and we've always grown up that Shabbat is about a relationship. And I, I, lo I love that statement right there, that Shabbat is about a relationship because that's what it is. It's getting to know who he is and getting to know who yourself is as you get to know who he is. And so, man, we're going to leave right there. Shabbat is a relationship. Okay, that's it. Uh, so we, <laughs> we pray that God gives wisdom to the future uh, representation of the government of Israel that they should yes. lead us under God, under God, and to yes. serve him, and not to take all the ego that they're the best things in, next to next to a hamburger. No. They need to go ahead and be able to serve under him and serve the people of Israel and also reflect the light of Israel to the rest of the world. That's what we're praying for in this future government. And we hope that with all the diversity, people will be able to continue the conversation and not take away the image of God from one another. Mm, I love that. I love that. And I say amen to that. Amen. amen. Pastor Danny. <laughs> so be it. You're the best. <laughs> oh, no, man. This is awesome. This is awesome. Uh, until next time. And, and, you know, as David was praying that you guys also begin to start praying. You know what I mean? We got a week for this thing to happen. Those who listen to us, those I know we have mothers and grandmothers that listen to this thing that are prayer warriors, right? Just pray, pray that God has his way because in the end result, David, you said it right, that in Jerusalem, Israel becomes the light of the world in everything that they do in the technology and in everything that they become the light of the world and so that the world can see who God is. And so we agree with that prayer and we have those who, who, who are listening to pray with us and uh, David, until next time, it's going to be good. Shalom. Thanks for listening to this podcast from The Holy Talk. Email holytalkpodcast at gmail.com for more information.